Welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us today online or on TV. Your constant support of the ministries of Sagebrush mean the world to me, and I want you to know how thankful I am for you. Last week, I was able to share a couple of great things that are happening in the life of our church. We talked about the medical mission to Haiti, and we talked about sending 1,500 Bibles to the Middle East. I've got two more things I want to share with you this week. First of all is a huge thank you. Thank you to the thousands of you who put together an Operation Christmas Child box. A child who wouldn't have had a Christmas gift this year now will have one because you cared enough to go and fill a, a little shoe box. You went online, you donated so that a shoe box could be filled and sent on your behalf. And now those children in need are going to have a gift this Christmas. Now if that doesn't put a smile on your face, nothing will. The second thing I want to share with you is that we as a church are partnering with Heading Home Ministries, and this year we're going to be feeding over 400 homeless folks a wonderful Christmas dinner, and again, it's because of your generosity. It's because you care about the community, and you care about what's happening in our world. So thank you, thank you, thank you for not just attending the church, but also for being the church. All right, let's get into the message today. We're in a series called Would You Rather, and we're looking at how to make wiser choices with our life because our choices lead us to a destination. A very wise person once said, we make our choices and then our choices make us. In life, we're going to make a lot of choices, and unfortunately, we found out that many times we'll choose the wrong thing, and there's a reason for that. James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits, and in the book he said this, As a general rule, the more immediate pleasure we get from an action, the more strongly we should question whether it aligns with our long-term goals over the kind of person that we want to become. Now let me break this one down for you. When we're faced with a choice, many times we'll pick what is easier. Whatever gives us pleasure in that moment rather than making choices that will help us become the people that deep down inside we say we want to become. Now here's the problem. If we keep taking the easy way, we will never end up becoming the person that we want to become or the person that God wants us to become. Let me illustrate. Uh, let me talk to the students here first. You got a big test coming up, okay? You can cheat for the grade or you can study for the grade. Now, one's easier than the other. There's no doubt about that. I and mean, with online school, it is super easy to cheat. But what does that say about being a person of integrity? See, the easy way is not always the best way. Let me talk to all the single people. All the single people. All the single people. All the single people. Would you rather wait till you're married to have sex or just go ahead and have sex with the person you're dating or seeing? Waiting until you're married is really, really hard. And the easy way, well, it looks pretty good, doesn't it? But by taking the easy way, it probably won't lead you to the God-honoring life that deep down inside you really want to live. You see, the easy way doesn't always work out for us, does it? Let me talk to the married folks. Your spouse has once again made you angry, done something that upsets you. How are you going to handle that? Well, you can throw a fit and scream and curse. That would be the easy thing to do. Just let it fly. Or you could choose to forgive them, even when they don't ask for forgiveness. Now, that's the harder choice. Which road do you want to take? Last week, we looked at how hard it is to be loving. We looked at how hard it is to put the needs of other people ahead of our own. 
See, we say that we want to be loving and we want to be the kind of people who see a need and meet a need, but let's face it, it's easier to have our needs come first. But is that really the kind of life that we want to live? So we have to decide that we're going to take the hard way, the narrow road, because that's the road that will lead us to the destination that we want to end up at. All right, let's play a quick game of Would You Rather. Don't groan. I know you love it when we do this. Let's go over to the big TV. Ready for this one? Would you rather play along at home? If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, it's real simple. Just put the comment of which one you would rather do, okay? Here we go. First question that we've got. Would you rather be able to talk with the animals or speak all foreign languages? Which would you rather do out of those two things? Would you rather be able to talk with the animals? How many would say, I'd rather talk with the animals? I, th I think that's an interesting one. I would love to be able to find out what my dog is thinking all the time. And when my dog goes out in the backyard and barks at the dog across the way, I'm always wondering, what is my dog saying? Is my dog cussing the other dog out because that's where my sinful mind goes? Or is my dog saying, hur, 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 I want to be your friend? Hur, 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 hur. Or would you rather speak all foreign languages. Some of you might travel an awful lot. Put your hand up if you like this one, and this would be really easy for travel. Which would you rather do? Let, let me give you another one. Would you rather listen to music from the 70s and the 80s or listen to music from today? It's so funny, but when I was a kid, my mom was so worried, and my dad was so worried about the kind of music that I was listening to. But have you heard the music from today? I mean, the music back in my day, it had some questionable lyrics, no doubt, but they weren't dropping F-bomb after F-bomb. So which would you choose? Would you choose 70s and 80s, or would you choose music from today? See, definitely... I'm going to pick the 70s and the 80s. Maybe an easier question for some of you is this one. Would you rather listen to country music or listen to pop music? How many would listen to pop music? Okay. How many would listen to country music? You're going to be shocked, but if those are my two options and you know how much I love country music, I would pick country music. Ready for the next one? How about this one? Would you rather be called an idiot or be called stupid? Let, let, let me give you another one. Would you rather be yelled at or be given the silent treatment? How many would rather be yelled at? How many would rather have the silent treatment? See, everybody I've talked to this week, they all said I want to be yelled at because I want to know where I stand with the other person so we can work on the problem. Silent treatment is brutal because you don't know what in the world is going on. How about this one? Would you rather be told that you're a disappointment or be told that you're a loser. See, those last three ones, that, that they weren't very fun, were they? I mean, nobody would want any of those things done or said to them. Now, in all seriousness, how many of you have been called a disappointment or you're sitting next to someone who's kind of a disappointment? Go ahead and put your... It's just a joke. Don't put your hand up. In all seriousness, I bet you've been wounded by the anger and the words of another person, and I bet that you've done your fair share of letting your anger get the best of you, and you've probably wounded a few people along the way. I know I have. We live in a world that is increasingly becoming more and more harsh and easily angered. And if we're honest, we're getting upset over a lot of things that just aren't worth getting upset about. There was a farmer, he raised watermelons, he was doing pretty good, but he was upset because some local kids would sneak into his watermelon patch at night and eat some of his watermelons. Well, he didn't like that. 
So he came up with an idea that he thought would scare the kids away for sure. He made a sign and he posted it in the field. The next day, the kids show up and when they see the sign, this is what it said. It said, warning, one of these watermelons in this field has been injected with cyanide. Well, the kids run off and they decide to make their own sign and post it next to the sign that the farmer made. Farmer shows up the next week and when he looks over the field, he notices that no watermelons are missing but he also notices that new sign next to his. He drives over to the sign that now says, now there are two. During a little league game, the coach said to one of his young players, do you understand what cooperation is, what a team is? The boy nodded his head, yes he did. He said, do you understand what matters is not whether we win or, or lose, but whether we win or lose together as a team? The little boy nodded his head, yes. Coach continued, he said, when a strike is called or you're called out at first, you don't argue, don't curse, you don't attack the umpire. Do you understand that? Again, the little boy nodded his head, yes. Coach said, good, now go over there and explain it to your mother. We, we, don't, we don't want to be like the farmer and the mom, right? <laughs> right? If we get to choose between being a jerk or being gentle, I'm pretty sure every one of us would choose to be a gentle person. So today, I want to look at a better way of dealing with our frustrations and our disappointments in our life, because we've got a bunch of those right now, don't we? Rather than attacking people with anger, what if we chose the harder path and did what the Bible says? What if we chose gentleness instead? As we've already seen, we carry around regrets for words that were spoken in anger. Words like this, did someone beat you with an ugly stick? I, th I think you might be a few fries short of a happy meal. You will never amount to anything. Why can't you be more like your sister? You need to go and see a counselor. You will never amount to anything. Now that list took me about 10 seconds to write because all those things I've either said to someone else or someone has said those things to me. And because of our unkind words, we now live in the world of the walking wounded. And the problem is, is that hurt people hurt people. We've been hurt. So what do we do? We hurt others, and then they hurt others, and the cycle just goes on and on and on. Let's face it, it's easier to attack back than to respond with a gentle word. Now here's what's interesting. It feels good, doesn't it, to put someone in their place and let them know that we'll take no bull from their house? We've inflicted wounds on our enemies, on our friends, and even on the people we claim to love the most in the world because we gave full vent to our frustration. Gentleness. Gentleness is missing in so many homes and in so many relationships. Now, some of you hear the word gentleness and you think weakness. I imagine all the men watching me right now and they're thinking, oh, here we go again. Pastor's gonna spend the rest of time telling me we have to be a doormat where everybody wipes their feet on us. Well, that's not happening. When a person is gentle with someone else, it doesn't mean that you allow someone to take advantage of you. The word gentleness in the Greek means strength under control. It's the picture of a wild stallion that's been broken and tamed. You got this powerful animal that could just absolutely obliterate you. But instead of bucking you, they're gentle with you. And that's the way that Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to be people who respond to all situations under control. You see, Jesus doesn't want us to overreact. He doesn't want us to say something that we'll later regret. But how in the world is this even possible? Because if you're like me, you've probably said a few things that you do regret. Well, I think John chapter 15, verse 5 is the key on how we do this. 
Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I've got that verse memorized. Now what are we talking about today? It's absolutely impossible if we don't stay connected to Jesus. Listen, if we hold back any area of our life from God, we're going to lose the power of God in that area of our life. And the same thing goes for our anger and our frustrations. If we don't make this Jesus stuff more than an hour on the weekend, if we don't develop the habit of getting alone with God and surrendering our will to his will, if we don't lay down whatever it is that he wants us to lay down to be more like him, we will never Friends, you will never get traction in these areas of your life. Let's be honest, we don't have the power to pull this off. We can't do this. We can't live this way. Left to ourselves, we will ramp up. We will do damage to others again and again and again. We'll attack the person rather than attacking the problem. Or we'll just shut down and we'll punish the other person with our silence. It's walking with God and talking with God that we gain his perspective. And we won't let so many little things get the best of us anymore. A very wise person once said, if you miss a day with God, God will know it. If you miss two days with God, you'll know it. But if you miss three days with God, everyone around you is going to know it. And we know that's true. Because when you miss time alone with God, you don't have the love of God. You don't have the peace of God. You don't have the joy of God. Friends, we're at our best when we're closest to God. We're at our best when we spend time with him and we rely upon him and we allow him to lead us and help us. It's a daily surrender, isn't it? Sometimes it's hourly, sometimes it's minute by minute. Oh God, less of me and more of you. The Bible says in Ephesians, do not be bitter or angry or mad. Never shout angrily or say things to hurt others. Never do anything evil. Be kind and loving to each other and forgive each other just as God forgave you in Christ. Now again, this is easier said than done. A few years ago, I took my family to the Disneyland. You know, I love the Disneyland. I wish the Disneyland was open now. We had just come from a fun but exhausting day at the park. My dogs were barking, I tell you what. We went to the elevator to get to our room. But when we got to our room, the room key didn't work. So we had to get back down to the front desk, and there was a nice lady who was working there who was from another country. She didn't speak very good English. Super nice lady. Well, I told her, I said, our key card doesn't work and that we needed a new one. Well, she swiped a new key card, and, and we went right back up the elevator, and we got to the room. The new key card didn't work. <laughs> so we went back down the elevator. Now there was a line to get back to the nice lady. Did I tell you that I was exhausted, that I was tired? I had to wait another 10 minutes to get back up to that nice lady, and I handed her the second key card, and I said, this one doesn't work either. Well, she looked at me like she was confused, so I mouthed the word slower. I said, this key card doesn't work, as if that was going to help me break the language barrier. Well, she smiled, and she went to the back room. Why she went to the back room, I have no idea. She left for several minutes. I think it was five minutes and 47 seconds, but I wasn't paying attention to that big clock that was hanging on the wall right in front of my face. To be honest with you, <laughs> every second that ticked by, I could feel the blood raising in my face. 
She finally came back and she looked shocked that I was still there. And I said, I need a new key card for my room. Well, she smiled and she swiped another card and off we went back up to the elevator. And guess what? That one didn't work either. Now I'm mad. Now what I wanted to do was I wanted to go back downstairs and I wanted to ask her to stop taking stupid pills. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to chew her out and get her in trouble with the night manager. I wanted to throw a big scene, but my wife told me to be gentle and to stop acting like a two-year-old. So I sat down in the hallway and I pouted. My wife was the one who went back down to the lobby and wouldn't you know it, but she got a key card that worked. Well, good for her. Friends, listen to me. You and I are never gonna be perfect in this area of our life, but we could get better, couldn't we? And by getting better, we might spare the people around us some heartache and some pain. And it's worth it, it's worth it if we can spare the people we love some of the unkind words that fly out of our mouths. So here's the question, how do we respond to others with gentleness? Well, Proverbs chapter 15 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. First thing I want you to write down, gentle people use their words to build others up and not tear them down. Do you remember Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When our words wound, not only do we break the heart of the person we wounded, but according to this passage of Scripture, we also break the very heart of God. We grieve the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? It means we make sad the Holy Spirit. That's why Ephesians 5, 4 says, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So using filthy language to make a joke, to make a point, to put someone down, to put them in their place, the Bible says those things are out of place. They don't fit in the Christian life. Write this down. We can make a critical point without being critical. A man was standing in line to buy an airline ticket. When he reached the counter, he said, I'd like to buy a ticket to New York City. Agent said, well, that's no problem. How many pieces of luggage do you have? He said, well, I've got three. And he said, uh, do you want to check all three to New York? And the passenger said, no. I want you to send the first piece of luggage to Phoenix, the second to Seattle, and the third to London. She said, well, sir, I'm sorry, but we can't do that. He said, I don't know why not. That's what you did last week. Now, some of you liked that one, didn't you? You see how hard this is for us? When you feel the blood moving to the forefront of your face, ask God to put a guard over your mouth that you might not sin against him or against that person. Walk away and pray and keep your mouth shut until what you're about to say is what God would have you to say. Choose gentleness over anger. Let me give you the second thing. Gentle people speak the truth in love. That's what Ephesians 4 verse 15 says. It says, speak the truth in love. When the pastor announced his resignation to move to a new church, the people at the church were kind of upset, but nobody was more disappointed than Lucille. She went to the pastor. She said, oh, we're going to miss you so much. Please don't leave. Pastor said, now, now, Lucille, it's going to be okay. The pastor who comes after me might be even better. Lucille said, I doubt it. That's what the last pastor said when he left and then you came. 
My wife tells me all the time there's a right way to say things and there's a wrong way to say things. I don't know about you, I can be too harsh, I can be too blunt, I can be too honest. Nowhere is this truer than in our families. Let me talk to the parents for just a second. How many times have you wounded your child with your words? Ephesians chapter 6 says, dads don't provoke your children. Now that word picture is like a dad who's got a big stick and he's poking his kid to rile him up. You know what I mean? Like you would a snake or a dog. You just poke, 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 poke. The Bible says don't do that. That's provoking anger. The Bible says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. We have to be quick to listen. What does that mean? It means eager to listen. It means what they have to say is more important than what you have to say. Listening is a gift you give to someone. And then you got to be slow to speak. Oh, God set a guard over my mouth that I might not sin against you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh, my Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. Don't let me say something that's going to hurt somebody. And you got to be slow to become angry. You got to have a longer fuse. You got to stop letting small things get you so mad. Now, friends, listen, anger is not a sin, but in our anger, let's be honest, we usually sin. It's a rare person who gets angry at the right time in the right way. And I think that's why this last point is so very important that we understand this. Third point, gentle people need to always remember how gentle God has been to them. Think about the life of Jesus. He was gentle to others when he didn't have to be. Jesus was power under control, wasn't he? Do you remember the story about the woman that Jesus met at the well? This is found in John chapter 4. She was there to draw some water around noon, and Jesus asked her for a drink, and she gets lippy with Jesus. Do you remember the story? She puts it on Jesus pretty good, but Jesus was so gentle with her. He realized that he was talking to a wounded soul, and he realized that she had been hurt so many times in her life that she was wanting to hurt other people as well. You see, she had been wounded by the people that she thought that she could count on. And she was cynical. She was skeptical. And she was harsh. But Jesus just refused to retaliate. He asked her a question to get to the heart of the matter. He said, why don't you go call your husband and come back? And this is what she said. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. And the man that you're now with is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Now, what, what do you bet there was a long pause after Jesus said that? And I bet she started to think about her life. Five broken marriages, living with a man who didn't love her enough to give her his last name. I bet she's thinking, who is this guy? And what does he want? And why does he know so much about me? Don't you love that Jesus was gentle with her when he didn't have to be? Jesus could have looked at her and said, you're a five-time loser in love. The man you're with doesn't even want you. But Jesus doesn't condemn her. He loves her and he tells her the day that she's been waiting her whole life for has finally come. The Messiah has come not to condemn her, but to set her free. Jesus would come across all kinds of people that were in trouble and they knew what they deserved. And they expected to be condemned. They expected the wrath of God. They knew it was coming. 
And yet Jesus would surprise them with gentleness. Jesus would look at them and say, God's got a better plan for your life. A better plan for your life than this. You need to repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn your life over to God. This is nothing in me that wants to slam you. There's nothing in me that wants to condemn you. I've come to forgive you. I've come to die in your place. Friends, you know the verse John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But do you know the next verse? John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you, but to save the world through him. God is bent on this idea that we don't get what we deserve. And aren't you glad? Remember how gentle the Lord has been with you. And then you pass that gentleness on to the people that God's placed in your life. Some of us have been so wounded and we're so angry. And honestly, you react the way you do because you've been hurt and hurt people hurt people but I know you don't want to continue to be that way. There's an old preschool nursery rhyme that goes like this. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. For those of you who are watching me today and you feel like Humpty Dumpty, you feel like the pieces of your life are broken so badly there's no way they can be put back together again, I want you to know I understand how that feels. I understand how it feels when all the king's horses and all the king's men can't seem to put you back together again. I've got good news for you today, friend. The king's men might not be able to fix you, but I know the king of kings and the Lord of lords can. Would you like to ask Jesus to come in your life to put the pieces of your life back together again? Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we have wounded so many people. We have gotten angry over things that aren't worth getting angry over. We've been frustrated over things that aren't worth getting frustrated. It just seems everybody's fuse is getting smaller and smaller as each day goes by. Help us, Lord, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Help us to treat others the way that you've treated us. Help us to respond with gentleness. Lord, I pray for my friends who are watching me right now. The pieces of their life are scattered all around them. Someone has wounded them. Someone told them that they're not worth anything, that they're useless, that they're a disappointment. Lord, they've believed those words. They've replayed those words. Maybe it was a mom. Maybe it was a dad that said those words to them. Lord, I pray that you would put the pieces of their life back together again. Lord, that they would understand that you love them and that you still have a plan and a purpose for their life that's far greater than anything they've ever dreamed or imagined. And Lord, I pray that they would surrender their life over to you. Lord, for those of us who have professed our faith in you, I pray that we would surrender areas of our life, like our mouth, over to you, and that you would set a guard over our mouth that we would not sin against one another. Lord, for all the broken people, I know you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords, and you can put lives back together again. And I pray, God, in this moment that you'll do it. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's you, friend, you want these pieces of your life to be put back together again, we'd love to help you with that. All you got to do is call us or text us at 505-922-9200. 
If you'll call or text us, we'll respond immediately to your request. We're just trying to give you space. We just want to help you any way we possibly can so that you can make the spiritual decision and draw closer to the Lord, so that you could be full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. These are the things that the Christian is supposed to have in abundance in their life when they're staying connected to the vine, when they're staying connected to Jesus. You cannot do this on your own. The things we've talked about these last three weeks, you cannot pull this off on your own, but with Jesus, you can. 505-922-9200. You got a prayer request? You're hurting? You want someone to talk to? 505-922-9200. Now, the praise team's going to come out. They're going to sing one of my favorite songs. Think about the words of this song. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all for you.